Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Judges, chapter 5. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. When you think of Judges, you don't want to think of Judges like in Judge Judy. When you think of Judges, you don't want to think of Judge Joe Brown or Judge Hatchet. Would you like to stand before a judge named Hatchet? <laughs> I know what's up with that. But Judges in the Bible were deliverers. They were heroes. They were saviors. And we've looked at so far in our study, we've looked at four of them. The first one we looked at was Othniel was his name. And, and the Bible says that the spirit of the Lord came upon him. You remember that sin cycle? The people would find themselves in sin and God would send a judge to judge the people for their sin. The people would be under oppression and they would cry out to God, and then God would send them a, a savior, a hero, uh, someone to deliver them. The people would be free and free to worship God for some time, and then they would fall right back into their idolatrous practices and find themselves in sin again, and the cycle continues. And so God is sending these judges, these deliverers, these heroes. The first one, Othniel. The Bible says the spirit of the Lord was upon him. The second judge we looked at was Ehud. Ehud. And the Bible says the, the sword of the Lord was in his hand. And he used that sword and he killed a very fat guy, a very big fat guy. His name is King Eglon. And that's an interesting story. You might want to take the time to read that for yourself. And then the third king we looked at was a man by the name, or the third judge we looked at was a man by the name of Shamgar. You find that in chapter 3, verse 31. And he had a goad, an ox goad in his hand, which was an instrument of service and killed 600 Philistines. And then, once again, the sin cycle continues, repeats itself, with the children of Israel doing evil in the sight of the Lord. The Lord sold them into the hand of King Jabin, who oppressed the people for 20 years, and then raised up a deliverer. This time, not a man, this time, a woman. A woman? Yeah. Her name is Deborah. Her name means bee, like in honeybee. And she was busy as a bee because she was an energetic lady. Deborah was an industrious woman. She was a multitasking judge. She was a multitasking judge in that she judged Israel. She was a prophetess, the Bible says. She led Israel. She was a warrior. She was a counselor. She was a poet. 
And she was a songwriter and she was a sweet sister. We looked at that the last time we were together in the book of Judges. Here's a scene in chapter four, which takes us to chapter five. In chapter four, God told Barak, B-A-R-A-K, his name means lightning. God told him to go fight with General Sisera. And Sisera had 900 chariots and God said, go fight against them and I will deliver them into your hands. And Barak, he didn't believe God and lightning Barak, he was afraid and he asked Deborah, the bee, Deborah, the judge to go with him. And Deborah said, okay, I'll go with you. But this is a disgrace because you won't stand up and be a man. And the glory and the victory of the battle is not going to go to you. It's going to go to a woman. It's interesting because Deborah was surrounded by weak men. Her husband, Lapidoth. We talked about that in our last Bible study. If you weren't here, you might, maybe you don't want to get the CD. <laughs> But this guy, Lapidoth, he was her husband, and he sure was a lazy man. And she was in ministry and serving God with all her heart, all her mind, all her soul. She was doing the work of the ministry and loving God. And the Bible says very little about Lapidoth, her husband. He was a lazy guy, and Deborah actually was the head of her home, not because she wanted to be, as we'll look at in our text, but because her husband wouldn't stand up and take leadership in his home. How sad, fellas, how sad. You know, let me encourage you. If you want to be a man of leadership and you know you haven't been taking leadership in your home and you want to be, then I'm going to invite you to come to prayer. When we are up here praying, you come and you tell one of the pastors, you know what, I need you to pray for me because I need to step up in this area. Now, you've heard all the Bible studies. You've heard Ephesians 5. You probably know it better than I do. But we as men need to step up and be men of God and take leadership in our homes. Yeah, women, let me, let me tell you something, fellas. Let me tell you, if you don't take leadership, women will, and rightfully they should. Because women are like that. They get the job done. God forbid all the women would leave the church. I'm serious. If, if all the women just said, hey, oh, ladies, we're going to all leave the church together, ladies, let's go. I think the church, I'm not talking about Calvary Chapel, just this church, although included. I'm talking about the church worldwide would probably shut down. It's that serious. Because women will do the job. That's just, uh, thank God for women. Thank God for my mom, because my father left her when I was six months old. And my mom did the job. And I, yeah, I think I'm okay. Don't say a word. I ain't asked you nothing. And this guy, Lavadov, he's something else. And Barrett, God said, go take the battle. And he was afraid, so he asked Deborah to go with him. And she said, that's a disgrace, but I'll go with you. Well, Barak and 10,000 men with Deborah prepared for battle. Sisera gathers his armies and 900 chariots to the river Kishon there in chapter 4. Barak's army gathers, defeats Sisera's army, but General Sisera, he begins to run. And while running, he sees in the distance this tent, and he recognizes Heber's wife. Her name is J.L. Some people call her Jail. J-A-E-L. And he sees her. 
And he go and, and, and JL, she goes out to meet him and she says, hey, come in here, come in here. And when he ran in, he was tired and thirsty, of course. And so he asked for something to drink and she gave him some warm milk. And apparently this warm milk put him to sleep and she threw a mantle over him. And while he was sleeping, while he was sleeping, she took a nail in her hand. She took that nail and she put it to his temple. And then she took that nail, she took a hammer, and she drove the nail into his temple, through his head, and into the ground. Ew, gross. <laughs> Unbelievable. And, and this woman, the Bible praises her for this act that she did. It was that day that God got a great victory for his people. So here in chapter 5, chapter 5, if you're taking notes, it's called Deborah's song or Deborah's poem or Deborah's prayer. She wrote this. It was written actually the same day that Deborah and Barak defeated the Canaanites, defeated the enemy. And so it's really written like a song in Hebrew. And, and, and it's pretty good. I mean, you know, songs are important. Music's important. The kind of music you listen to is important. Songs, you know, I, I can often remember songs easier than I can remember anything else. It's interesting. If you put the words to music, I remember it. And that's how songs are. Music has a powerful influence in your life. People don't want to admit that, some people, but it's true. Music has a powerful influence in your life. What you listen to oftentimes kind of steers and directs your life. That's why I'm very, very mindful and very careful about what I put in my ears because it goes into your head and then in your heart and you start walking it out in your feet. This is Deborah's song in, in Judges chapter 5, and we're just going to kind of breeze through it uh, together. Uh, Judges chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. Saints, if you're there, say amen. amen. Then Deborah and Barak, the son of Abinoam, sang on that day, saying, when leaders lead in Israel, when the people willingly offer themselves, bless the Lord. And then she goes on to remember what God has done. So important to remember what God has done. Don't forget. Hear, O kings, give ear, O princes. I, even I, will sing to the Lord. You know, that actually could indicate that Deborah didn't have a really nice voice. And she says, like, I, even I'll sing. <laughs> I mean, I'll even do it. It's like, you know, it's like, I, like, 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 you know, Pastor Charles says, I, even I, Pastor Charles will sing. No, I'm just, Charles, I love you. You're just sitting right there, Charles. I'm just, you know, I love you, man. And so she says, it's, it's like, you know, it, you know, the Bible says make a joyful noise unto the Lord. And, and some people make a joyful noise and that's Okay. It's okay to make a joyful noise. I think the point is just let some noise come from your mouth. And pray, amen. In praise to the Lord. And so she says, I, even I will sing to the Lord. I will sing praise to the Lord God of Israel. Lord, when you went out from Zion, from Zir, when you marched from the fields of Eden, talking about God's faithfulness in the past as he delivered the people from Egypt through the wilderness into the promised land, the earth trembled and the heavens poured. The clouds also poured water. The mountains gushed before the Lord. This Sinai before the Lord God of Israel. In the days of Shamgar, son of 
Anath, in the days of Jael, the highways were deserted and the travelers walked along the byways. Village life ceased. It ceased in Israel. You see, in other words, the people were afraid in the days of Shamgar, afraid of the oppressor. The village life ceased. It ceased in Israel until I, Deborah, arose, arose a mother in Israel. Then that's interesting. Not only was she a prophet, a poet, a songwriter, a counselor, a warrior, and a judge, and a leader. Talking about multitasking, she was a mom. And some people say, oh, no, she wasn't a mother. It says, a, it says she was, read it right there, a, a rose, a mother in Israel. Yeah, it says she was a mother in Israel, not the mother of Israel. Some people say, well, she was over Israel. And so in that regard, she was a mother of Israel. That's not what it says. It says she was a mother in Israel. And she was a mom. And apparently she took pride in being a mom because she talks about it here. Don't let the world tell you being a mom is less. Oh, you need to be a career woman. You need to have a career and have a life. And have you noticed the world puts down being a mom as if it's some kind of second rate deal? Well, all, what do you do? Well, I, I'm, I'm a mom and I stay home with my kids. Really? Is that all? What do you mean is that all? What more do you want? You try to raise, if you ever had one child, you know that's more than you need. That's more than anybody should suffer. Well, I'm just a mom. Don't ever say I'm just a mom. Being a mom is the most important job on the planet. It is true. Being a mom is important. Talk to some kids who don't have one. They'll tell you. Talk to some kids who come home, they're latchkey kids, and mom is having a career, and dad is, is not at home, and the kids are home so many hours, and the TV's the babysitter, and the DVD's, and the VHS is the babysitter. You talk to them. They love to come home where mom is there, where mom is there to love them and give them food and talk to them and help them with their homework. And, and being a mom, I think it's important. Our world is putting down being a dad and being a mom. I think it's the most important job on the planet because you're preparing people to go out into the world to be effective for the kingdom of God. That's what you should be doing. Giving them Jesus, teaching them about Jesus, teaching them about the Bible. You can do all that when you're a mom and you're there with them. Don't ever, ever, ever let anybody tell you being a mom is something second rate. You have all the time you want to go have a career as soon as they get old enough to leave. Just give them luggage at graduation. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> and then you go, hey, I got a career now. I can go do a career because you've done what God has called you to do. Don't ever. I don't have time for all that tonight. Arose a mother in Israel. They chose new gods. Then there was war in the gates. Not a shield or a spear was seen among 40,000 in Israel. My heart is with the rulers of Israel. You see, she wasn't in her own thing. She was, she was loving other leaders, and, and her heart was with other leaders. That's what we should be. Not just about our church, but other people too. Other churches, other people who love God. Who offered themselves willingly with the people. Bless the Lord. 
Speak you who ride on white donkeys. That speaks of wisdom and counsel. Talking to the leaders. Tell everyone who sit in judges attire and who walk along the road far from the noise of the archers among the watering places. There they shall recount the righteous acts of the Lord. The righteous acts for his villagers in Israel. Then the people of the Lord shall go down to the gates. Awake, awake, Deborah. Awake, awake, sing a song. Arise, Barak, and lead your captives away, O son of Abinoam. Then the survivors came down in verse 13, the people against the nobles. The Lord came down for me against the mighty. She's recounting this whole battle in chapter four. If you haven't read it, read it later. But she's recounting the whole battle. And here she's going to really single out all those who helped her in the battle. Notice she says the survivors came down, the people against the nobles. The Lord came down for me against the mighty. And Ephraim were those whose roots were in, in Amalek. After you, Benjamin, she's talking about people who helped her in the battle with your people and Mekur, which is Manasseh. These are the tribes. Rulers came down and from Zebulun, those who bear the recruiter staff or the pen of writers and the prince of Issachar were with Deborah as Issachar was Barak sent into the valley under his command among the divisions. Now, here are those who did not help her in the battle. Notice among the divisions of Reuben, there were great resolves of heart. You see, they, they hesitated. Someone once called it the paralysis of analysis. They're sitting back thinking, notice, why did you sit among the sheepfold to hear the pipings for the flock? The divisions of Reuben have great searching of heart. You see, Reuben, the tribe of Reuben didn't get involved in the battle. Why? The paralysis of analysis. They're sitting there thinking, well, you know, what about our flocks? And what will we do if we leave and our flocks need our help? You know, sometimes you can analyze yourself right out of a blessing. That almost happened to me. It did. It was in 1995, just before we moved here. I, I was thinking, the Lord had already shown me we were supposed to move. I knew that. But I, I started thinking, man, because I was doing junior high and ministry and stuff, and then we had a really great junior high group. It was so fun. I loved it. And, and I was thinking, who's going to help out with the junior high? I mean, who's going to, you know, take care of the kids and love the kids and teach the kids and have fun with the kids? And I don't know if I can leave. Remember all that, honey? And I'm like, I don't know if I can leave the kids. And, you know, and I'm just, you know, the paralysis of analysis. <laughs> I was just analyzing this thing. And I'll never forget, I, I really felt like the Lord said, you know, that was pretty prideful on my part. You know, sometimes we think we're being humble when we're really being prideful. Well, who's going to love the kids like me? I mean, after all, what would they do if they don't have me? Oh, and I just love God so much. I'm so humble and I want to serve the kids and they need me. And that was really pride. It wasn't humility. Because in humility says, hey, this is God's thing. And if God has called it and God has ordained it, then they don't need me. They need him. And God began to show me that. Sometimes you can talk yourself right of a blessing. If I had stayed there for the junior high in the ministry, it probably would have collapsed. And I would have missed my 
blessing right here in North Carolina in Apex on Center Street. How's that? And Reuben, oh, well, what about the flocks? And, you know, I don't know about all this. And they missed a blessing because the other tribes got involved. They did not. Gilead did not. They stayed beyond the Jordan. Notice that in verse 16 or verse 17. And why did Dan remain on ships? Asher continued at the beach. Unbelievable. It's the seashore. And they stayed by his inlets, Zebulun. You know, you can see some of these guys were in the Hall of Fame, and some of them were in the Hall of Shame. Reuben's in the Hall of Shame, and Gilead, and Dan, and Asher. But notice in verse 18, Zebulun, and he's in the Hall of Fame. Zebulun is a people who jeopardized their lives to the point of death. Naphtali also on the heights of the battlefield. The kings came and fought. The kings of Canaan fought in Tanakh by the waters of Megiddo. That would also be the area of Armageddon. You guessed it. They took no spoils of silver. They fought from the heavens. Now that tells us, interesting, that is an interesting verse tucked away. That actually tells us that, that, that there was an army in heaven fighting for God's people. How did they get the victory? God got the victory from the army in heaven. Notice they fought from the heavens. The stars from their courses fought against Sisera. We also know that God sent rain on the day of the battle, and those 900 chariots couldn't be mobile because chariots cannot be mobile in mud. So God moves supernaturally natural. Interesting. The stars from their courses fought against Sisera. The torrent of Kishon, that'd be the river, swept them away. The ancient torrent, the torrent of Kishon, oh my soul, march on in strength. Then the horses' hooves pounded. The galloping, galloping of his steeds. Curse Miraz, said the angel of the Lord. Curse its inhabitants bitterly because they did not come to help to the help of the Lord. To the help of the Lord against the mighty. Most blessed among women is Jael, or Jael, the wife of Heber the Kenite. Blessed is she. See, the Bible calls her blessed for what she did. Blessed is she among women in the tent. He asked for water. She gave milk. She brought out cream in a lordly bowl. She stretched her hand to the tent peg, her right hand to the workman's hammer. Look at the detail of the Bible. She took the hammer in her right hand. She pounded Sisera. She pierced his head. She split and struck through his temple. Man, talking about a splitting headache. Sorry. At her feet, he sank. He fell. He lay still. At her feet, he sank. He fell. Where he sank, there he fell dead. The mother of Sisera looked through the window, cried out through the lattice, why is this chariot so long in coming? See, his mom is standing there looking for baby Sisera to come, come, and he never did. And notice what she thought. Why tarries the clatter of his chariots? Her wisest ladies answered her, and she even said to herself, Are they not finding and dividing the spoil to every man a girl or two? See, that's part of taking the spoil, raping the women. And here she's thinking, oh, my son, he's a good boy. 
taking the spoils. Where is he? Taking a girl or two? Yeah, he had been with a woman, but not like she thought. For Sisera, plunder of dyed garments, plunder of dyed of garments embroidered and dyed, two pieces of dyed embroidery for the neck of the looter. Thus let all your enemies perish, O Lord, but let those who love him be like the sun when it comes out in full strength. So the land had rest for 40 years, but the sin cycle will continue because after 40 years, they fall back in idolatry and the sin cycle continues. Deborah's song, Deborah's prayer. A prayer of rejoicing is actually a prayer of rejoicing and a prayer of giving thanks to the faithfulness of God. And, you know, I see the table of the Lord just like that also. The table of the Lord is is about giving thanks to God for what? For his son who died on the cross. That's what the bread, the broken bread represents. The broken bread represents the body of Christ that was broken for us. And the cup represents the blood that was shed for us. And we come to the table of the Lord with joy and thanksgiving and praise and song, just like Deborah came to the Lord with joy and thanksgiving and praise and song. We come to this table. It's not a funeral service. People think, oh, they killed Jesus and oh, how sad it is. You know, I guess it is a sad thing that our Lord had to die, but it is the most joyous thing to, to, to the ears of mankind ever to be heard that one man and his blood was able to pay the penalty and, and the price for our sin. One man. That's joy. That should be joyous to us. That should be joyous to God's people. That Jesus died for us. And this is one of the two rituals that he left the church. The other is baptism. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the media library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light. Let me be a salt.